0: This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Today, we have three guests, Darren Hawkins, Kelly Smith, and Tia Zuniga. This is the trio that came up with the idea of a crowd-sourced book. It's a collective effort that led to the update of the story of a very interesting company, Zappos. The book is The Power of Wow, How to Electrify Your Work and Your Life by Putting Service First. Now, you may think of Zappos as an online shoe and clothing company, but it's also widely known for its radical attention to both customer service, and keeping employees happy. And it's known for its core values, like create fun and a little weirdness. We'll talk about the book, about the company, and about what it's like to be a Zaponian. Kelly, Tia, and Darren. Thank you so much for uh, being with me today. I'm so excited. This is such an interesting book and an interesting company. And before we plunge into talking about the book, I'd love to hear a little bit about each of you and how you got there and what you do at Zappo. So perhaps, Kelly, you could start, and then you could each tell us about your role and at the book um, creation and at the company.
2: Perfect, yeah, thanks so much for having us, by the way. Um, And so, yeah, we've been super excited to work on this project. And for me, I've been with the company for about eight and a half years. And when I started, um, before I joined this team, I actually was in recruiting for a few years before hopping over to this new team. At the time when we came together, um, there was a need in the company where we thought it would be cool to have this kind of experimental marketing a team come together where we get to focus on unique projects that kind of push the boundary a little bit on traditional marketing and this book is just one example of a project that we've gotten kind of the special opportunity to work on to really um, start to think differently about business and so it's been a blast working on and um, for us our team is called Think and I kind of head up our team. I don't like to call myself a manager, but just to kind of, I take on any related managerial duties that may come up. But other than that, I'm one of three members who I also have the other two with me today.
1: Well, it says something already about the company, if you're reluctant to call yourself a manager mm-hmm. and you work so tightly together. So, so uh, Tia, how did you get involved and what is your history with Zappos?
3: Yeah, so I've been with Zappos for um, a little bit over five years now, and I actually started in the call center, um, which we call CLT, um, for Customer Loyalty Team. And so, you know, I think Zappos is well-known in Vegas, and I just heard how great it was to work here and how nice everyone was. And I was like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. (laughs) But I came, and it was totally true, and um, met so many great people and getting so many great opportunities to move around the company, and so it's been a really exciting five years.
1: So, Darren, how about you?
0: Yeah, so I've been with Zappos for about six and a half years. I actually grew up in Las Vegas and had kind of heard a lot about how great uh, a company Zappos was. Um, and after I graduated, went out to New York and worked there for a little bit and then decided to move back for Zappos. I started as a, a visual designer and then kind of over time we formed this group and here we are now, doing the book.
1: Well, it's such an interesting company. Years ago when it first came out, I read Tony Shay's book about the creation of Zappos, and by then I'd bought some shoes, and it was a, the first time I bought things online, gosh, almost 20 years ago. That way it seemed like a like a pretty big deal. So it's a fascinating company, but the way you describe the company in the book is you're not a shoe and clothing company you're a customer service company. Now, what does that mean to you guys? How would you um, explain that you're a customer service company?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is Kelly. we It's funny to actually think back on because i it makes me think a lot of our core values and we have 10 of them, but our first one is to deliver wow through service. And for us, a big priority is prioritizing our customers' happiness. That's always been a big thing that Tony, our CEO, uh, Tony Shea, our CEO, has talked about for years. And um, we see that if our customer's happy, it kind of helps everything else fall into place. And that's kind of our main focus in everything that we do. Um, But what's really cool to see over the years is that customer service or kind of a service-first mindset starts to bleed into other areas. It doesn't always necessarily mean our actual consumers on the retail side but internally we almost see each other as customers when we're working with other teams and you know servicing one another in that sense and kind of helping support each other we want to treat each other that same way with the same level of service that we would treat our customers um because at the end of the day we're all humans is kind of how we've seen it and uh you kind of want to treat others as you want to be treated that's a age old quote, I feel like that is used a lot. Um, And I think that even starts to bleed outside of what we do as a company, um, where that's just become our focus over the years, that if we lead with service and everything that we do, um, the rest kind of follows. And so it's not about making a profit or focusing on shoes and clothing necessarily, but more so focusing on an experience that we can create for our customers.
1: Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. When I'm working with clients, one of the things I keep talking about is that everybody's in the customer service business in an organization, and your customers can be your boss or your colleagues, or it can be um, anybody who has any interest in your work or anybody you bump into in the course of the day. It's it's all about sor- service, so I love that about your culture. Also, you mentioned the tenets, and um, part of the way the culture is captured, of course, is those and then there's an oath of employment can can one of you tell me about the oath and how it came to be and and do people take it really seriously
3: yeah so um the oath of employment and our 10 core values are actually one and the same um and that's just uh, you know attributed to how seriously we do take them um but yeah there's 10 of them they i think just had their 14 year anniversary this past valentine's day Um, And it basically started from the employees. Um, Tony sent an email at one point and asked the company to describe like what they felt like the personality of Zappos was, what they cared about, like what the culture was. And they came up with this huge list and kind of boiled it down to these 10. Um, And they're not like a plaque on the wall or anything like that. They're actually, we use them day to day in our conversations and in our work. And so they're really, really important to us. And they're not, like, ranked in a certain order um, or anything like that. But we hire on them. We fire on them. We make our business decisions on them. Um, So, yeah, they're very important to everyone here.
1: Well, I think people have been fascinated by the culture and the seriousness um, with which you all seem to approach the culture. But here's the question I think a lot of people wonder. Amazon bought Zappos in, was it 2009? And... It has a it has quite a different culture at least um, you know from what we read so how is it that you're part of the Amazon family but it seems like you've held the culture together H- How is all that working and um, how are you able to keep it going?
0: yeah, so uh, yeah, in two thousand nine you're right Amazon uh, acquired Zappos I wasn't here at the time, but um, the way that I've kind of heard it explained is our CEO, Tony, really made sure that before any of that went through, he wanted to make sure our culture and, and the way that we work um, stayed intact through all of it and, and was really deliberate about, you know, when they went through with that contract that that our core values were still at the core of our business and we were able to operate independently. It, it's cool, and I think early on in the book, page six or something, it talks about kind of that relationship in detail and, and how there's just a ton of trust baked into that. Um, and so we've been able to kind of remain pretty independent, and um, it's been cool to see. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it's wonderful that the culture is so strong. I think I, I read somewhere that in um, all kinds of ways uh, it it is the most important thing. And in um, hiring, did I read that culture fit always trumps technical fit? And what does that mean? And is it really true?
2: Uh, yeah, so that's definitely true. Um, having worked in recruiting for a few years, it was actually really cool to see that kind of play out um, because through our hiring process, our teams are given the liberty to both hire based on the technical fit and culture fit. And you're right, culture fit is definitely a bigger priority for us because at the end of the day, when you think about that happiness, when you're starting a new job, we really want to ensure that the person is going to be a good fit and is going to jive with the team. Um, and so we want both the person starting a new role and then also the team welcoming a new person on the team that both parties will kind of get along and jive well with our core values. And when you look at our 10 core values, um, one of them is focused on being passionate and determined and pursuing growth and learning. Those are two pretty strong ones. And I think at the end of the day, if someone really fits well with the team and has some of the technical fits, but maybe not every single part of it the team looks at that as an opportunity for a chance to really work with that person and to help them pursue that growth and learning. And someone can always learn some of those technical pieces. And so for us, the bigger priority at the end of the day is kind of, you know, culturally do they kind of resonate with all of these 10 values um, more so than others. And I think that's, what's really cool to see is you'll see a lot of teams be close, like a group of like family members or friends. um, And you actually like want to hang out with your coworkers outside of work, which is, not always the
1: case in other companies. It definitely is not the case, but it's one of the most important things for being happy in your work. Exactly. One of the things about um, the recruitment, first I think a lot of listeners would like to work for Zappos, so maybe people are interested in how you recruit and hire. My guess is because people seem to move around and the skills you bring in may not be the ones that define your your next position, um, it's a little... Um, confusing to think. How would how would you apply? What kind of person would you look for? How does that process work? If we've got listeners who are thinking, oh, I want to work for that company. <laughs>
2: Well, that is awesome. I hope if you're a listener and you're excited about the company, um, there's lots of resources to start to dig into. I mean, my recommendation is there's just so many layers here at Zappos in different areas of the company that you could potentially get involved with. Um, We have a jobs site that I believe is still jobs.zappos.com where we'll regularly post updated positions that are currently open. Um, And there's a variety of departments that we have here and we're all based out Las Vegas, Nevada. And so we've got a tech department for any coders or engineers who are looking to help us build our site or make changes to that. Um, We have our call center, which we call our customer loyalty team, and then a merchandising department, a marketing department, and then HR. I mean, and everything that kind of falls in between. Um, And Yeah, I think if people start to look at that, we also have our cultural blog. So if you go to Zappos.com, you can type in the search bar blog or blogs and it'll actually pull up even more content that just kind of dives deeper into who we are as a company. And there's a cool team called Newsroom who actually puts that on. But there's just so many things to start to understand about the company. And I think for anyone looking to work at Zappos, because we hire based on those core values, I think that's the best first place to start is reading through those 10 and seeing if those really resonate with you. And I think if those stand out and if there's a position that happens to kind of fall in your area of interest, that's even better and you can start that application process. From there, they just to add on that. Going back to the core
3: values, I think, and just to how you said, um, we, move, we tend to move around a lot, and things are always changing. I think um, anyone looking at Zappos, a huge trait that everyone kind of needs here is the adaptability mm-hmm. and uh, just being willing to, uh, you know, adapt to changes that are always happening because we're just always always doing something new.
1: <laughs> well, it feels like you all have certain responsibilities that you all share. I. It, I read somewhere I I'm assuming it must be in the book but I don't remember but I I read that everybody sometimes has to work in the call center or maybe around Christmas when it's busy is that is that true?
0: Yeah, so we call it holiday help and every year from about It kind of varies, but usually around end of October, November through like February or so, everyone in the company, doesn't matter what department or if you're the CEO, Tony, we all get on the phones and help out, um, get to talk to our customers. And it's a really important thing that we've done for a long time and kind of hold everyone to that responsibility so that they kind of have the opportunity to talk to our customers and get to see how things work. Um, It's cool. There's been a lot of... Like changes that have come out of it, like for example, our tech teams who have to sit with um, our CLT reps and talk to customers. Sometimes they'll see functionality on the on the back end that they could improve. You know, things that they wouldn't have seen if they hadn't had that opportunity to sit and uh, take calls. So it's really beneficial in a lot of ways, and it's just fun to kind of get to speak to our customers every now and then.
1: Well, speaking of things that are fun, one of the things that seems fascinating is that going against the trend of a lot of companies, you're often physically together that while many companies are getting, using more and more remote flex time kind of operations, it sounds like you've moved collectively more to your Las Vegas headquarters and working together and kind of um, working face to face. Is is that right?
3: Yeah. So we're all almost pretty much everyone at Zappos is under our one roof here in downtown Las Vegas Um, and it kind of goes back to the how the culture works and how the the company was originally set up is when you're like coming face to face with somebody in the hallway that you haven't seen in a while or maybe um, we actually have this fun thing where we have a tower with 10 floors and every floor alternates a vending machine on one floor and then there'll be a drink machine on the next floor just to encourage people to kind of walk around to different departments in different areas and you never know who you're going to run into or what conversation could start um, so it's really just about building relationships um, they still obviously have a lot of flexibility for things when we need to have that flex time and we do have um, some it's a Ponians that are over in Kentucky too for our warehouse and our photo studio, but for the most part, it's just really about that face-to-face connection and those uh, relationship-building things that we do.
1: It feels like the relationship building goes beyond the building and into the community. Darren, you're from Las Vegas, right? So, could you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about how um, the company interacts with the broader community and the downtown culture?
0: Yeah, so we we're pretty involved. Um, when we were first making the move, we we started out in Henderson, which is kind of a suburb of Las Vegas, and we were planning to make the move to downtown Las Vegas. We actually moved into the old city hall building, which is a pretty cool, cool building. Um, but they did a ton of planning ahead of time to make sure that we were, you know, really involved in the community and that we were bringing something to the community and not, not just. I guess taking from it, but actually contributing a lot. And so we put on a ton of events. Um, every year we do a, a kind of a Thanksgiving feast for people that are um, kind of struggling to get by or, or needing a warm meal. Um, another cool one that we do is uh, they call it the prom closet, and it's for kind of high school kids that. Um, kind of don't have the opportunity to go out and get a new dress or something like that and we'll kind of donate clothing things like that Um, but we just try to stay really involved and kind of um, make sure that we're a part of the downtown community and always contributing we'll be back with Bev after this brief message Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash School.
1: I've got a question for Tia that relates, I think, to community stuff and to just about everything, including the book. Tia, I think you wrote in the book about self-organization and how... A lot of things really are pushed out to the people on the front and people come up with ideas and um, they um, have a lot of power to organize how their projects get done. Can you tell us a little bit about how self-organization works for you all and maybe how it worked for the book?
3: yeah absolutely um so empowerment's always been a big part of our culture and and something that we really encourage um even on the the front lines with customers we want to make sure that the person you're talking to has the ability to actually solve your problem and that we're not adding all these unnecessary steps in order to get something done i think we always see it as the person that's you know dealing with the customer or is dealing with that particular situation would probably know the best way to solve that problem so we've always done that. And I think uh, self-organization is just kind of an extension of that. Um, It just really does um, give a sense of autonomy to everyone here um, to really get things done and not have to jump through a lot of hoops or red tape. Um, So it's been really exciting to see some of the things that can can happen when teams can self-organize and really um, move things forward. Um, But of course with that, you know, there's um, accountability built in too. I think we all hold each other accountable and um, it's just kind of how things have been working, and it's always evolving. Self-organization is just a constantly uh, adapting thing, but it's been a really fun uh, experience, especially for our team to to be in it. Um, the book is hopefully a, a really good representation of how um, people can come together and create something, um, create one product, so our team um, was kind of operating in self-organization, and a lot of the authors that you see in the book or its opponents in the book um, are in all different departments in different areas, but they were able to uh, set time aside to um, contribute to the book as well and help us move it forward.
1: Well, on the topic of empowering employees to address uh, customer service, that is something you're really well known for. And I've heard all kinds of stories about the great lengths that people are empowered to go in order to satisfy customer needs. Can you give us any examples, anyone, about um, the kind of things that Zaponians will do when a customer really has a problem and needs some help?
2: Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of examples that come to mind. The first one that I actually think of, and this is talked about in the book, I don't want to give away too much of it for people who haven't read it yet, but um, it's one of our first chapters, and we talk about this, what we now dub Operation Red Shoes um, story, and that actually started out as a... Um, customer interaction with one of our CLT reps, Terry McNally, who was speaking to a customer and she used to work for a team who would kind of do quality checks on some of our calls just to make sure that we were living up to the customer service bar that we try to set for ourselves. And she just happened to pick this call and, um, overheard the conversation where Susan Walker, one of our customers had ordered about, I think it was about like 10 to 13 pairs of red sneakers Um and she just wanted to make sure that she got her order because she overheard on the phone call that she was stressed about them getting there in time for a funeral. And um, there was a massive weather storm that was going on out where they're from, they're out in Memphis. And um, because Terry kind of had that gut instinct to take the initiative and was empowered to kind of reach out to that customer, she decided just to trust her gut and reached back out. And Susan, who's super nice, was actually super grateful because the shoes actually weren't going to get there in time because of that snowstorm, but she just felt bad and didn't want to call and like ask or try to be a pain. But Terry ended up working everything out where she was able to get those shoes there on time. And then the funeral, I think, got pushed out anyways because um, of that snowstorm. So everything had worked out. But Terry, through that conversation of talking to Susan, she thought it was pretty unique that... She was ordering so many pairs of the same colored sneakers. And when she heard it was for a funeral, she was very empathetic with her. And then over that conversation, she had actually learned more about the story behind it, where Susan's daughter, McKendree, had actually been a patient with St. Jude's and was in remission from thyroid cancer. Um, But unfortunately, the funeral was for um, a boy named Louise, who uh, McKendree was dating and had met through St. Jude's at the time. And he unfortunately had passed away from his cancer that he had suffered at the time. And um, it's pretty insane because if that instinct wasn't in there for Terry to kind of reach out to Susan, um, they wouldn't have discover that, but they were able to really become close friends over that because Terry had lost her father to similar circumstances not too long before that. And um, because she felt so bad about the situation, she actually sent flowers and everything to Susan and McKendree to express her condolences for them. And they started talking from there and everything. And then when some of us found out about that story here, we just wanted to do something more special for Susan and McKendry because of kind of the hardships that were that they were going through. McKendry, she was so young at the time, and she was just about to graduate high school. And we were like, we can't imagine anyone having to go through something like that at that age. And so um, some of us kind of came together to put together a surprise trip for them. And again, I don't want to give away too much from the book, but long story short, um, we did a really, really special surprise that people will have to read more about where we flew them out here and kind of treated them to a special, um, very intimate Um, Vegas trip to kind of let them have a vacation for the first time in years because they were going through all those surgeries and treatments for for years um, just to kind of give them space to grieve. And we flew out about like 10 to 12 of McKendry's close friends and their family. And then the CIO of St. Jude just heard about it. And so he flew himself out just because he wanted to be here with them. So it was a really cool thing that kind of happened. And there's so many more layers that happened beyond that because we surprised Susan and McKendree with that trip. They actually got us back and surprised our team and Terry and had us go out to their community. And we've been friends ever since and this was several years ago but since then they've actually formed a nonprofit organization to kind of continue raising awareness around childhood cancer and kind of giving um teens or younger individuals going through it kind of a mentorship um program where they can kind of empathize with one another and talk about their struggles and work together so it's just insane to think of that one call and like with terry having kind of that responsibility um or response hyphen ability to you know reach back out has led to all of this is pretty insane and even tia like has a dog now who Luis, who had passed away he had a husky um that mckendry ended up mckendry and susan ended up adopting after that but she had puppies and then wow. so they offered like puppies to us as like first dibs just because they really loved that um just the connection that we've built with them. And we still keep in touch with them. We're like on texting basis all the time. So it's pretty special.
1: It's an amazing story. And I think it is a wonderful illustration of of how people are empowered to work with customers and are able to use the collective resources to, to you know, try to do good things when the need becomes clear. For sure.
2: Yeah, and I wanted to add too, I mean, that... That just came from that natural place exactly for us, because we didn't see it as any sort of opportunity. It wasn't something that we even wanted to market or to expose out there. It was just kind of this intimate, special thing where we just wanted to be humans to another set of humans and do something special for them.
1: Well, the the culture is pretty fascinating. And it's clear that you're motivated by supporting each other and you really care about your customers. But still, I'm sure there are going to be some skeptics out there who are wondering if you push all this responsibility out there, if you spread it around. Aside from control, it, it just feels like it could get very disorganized. How is it that you keep everybody working so hard and you keep everybody organized? Are there any kind of organizing principles for keeping track that are part of the culture, or is it um, kind of depend on the field?
0: Yeah, so it can get a little hectic at times, but like Tia had said, it's really important that I think people that are coming into Zappos and, and starting here have that adaptability and and the open mind that things might change or you know roles might change Um, but it's also part of the part of the fun part of the culture and part of what keeps zappos exciting for a lot of people Um, we do still have some structure we call them circles Um, and so basically each team is their own circle and they kind of get to um they're responsible for their own budget and who they work with and kind of the work that they're doing. But it isn't like a free for all where everyone, you know, works on whatever they want. There's still kind of roles and responsibilities and accountabilities. Um, Kind of my favorite way that our CEO Tony has explained it is if you think of a Venn diagram and there's kind of three circles that overlap. One is what are you passionate about? The other one is what skills do you have or what, what are you good at doing? And the third is what does the business need? And so kind of the overlap of those three things is like, you know, the the ultimate, uh, I guess, the ultimate place you can be working and still, you know, obviously really enjoy what you're doing.
1: The sweet spot. So, yeah.
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Well, it's it makes a lot of sense. I, I have... Um... One last question. First, I want to, um, uh, again, read the full title because it's not all about you. It's also about the readers. The The book is called The Power Power of Wow, How to Electrify Your Work, Your Life, by Putting Service First, Your Work and Your Life. So do you have any um, parting suggestions for how this might be uh useful and interesting for people who want to read the book for purposes of bringing new energy to their lives?
2: Yes. So with the book, because we have so many different voices in it, um, I think we have over 22 different uh, stories, if you want to call them. I think there's something in there to resonate with a variety of readers um, that they can take away. But I think the biggest undertone with this is we talk a lot about how important service Is And it's a service-first mindset. It's not just related to customer service in terms of transactional sales, but just servicing each other as people in the world and fellow humans. And I think that's a big message that I hope kind of resonates with a lot of our readers, whether they're just starting out in a small business of their own, or maybe they work for a larger company. Um, I think it's a great reminder for people to think on is like, how can we be nicer and kinder to one another? And do I have the autonomy or can I be empowered to kind of make those decisions or have those conversations with people? And I think not being afraid to, you know, build relationships with people that you work with and trying to break down those barriers that I think a lot of people project in their minds and kind of everyone ends up in their corners. And I think that's something that's like a big message that we hope to share with our readers. Um, there's just so much in here. I really hope people have the opportunity to read this because it's such a unique book. Um, Tony Shea could have easily written a second book. His first one, Delivering Happiness, was amazing. And a lot of people were asking for more because it's been about 10 years since that even came out. Um, But because our customers have been asking, we figured what better way to kind of tell that story than to have these different voices instead of Tony talking on behalf of everyone. He thought it'd be cool to have everyone who's living and breathing these different situations kind of sharing that with readers. And so I think there's a lot for people to take away basically. But um, yeah, I kind of challenge them to take a piece of it back. Maybe they bring this book and share it with their team or their manager and just to kind of share it with them to learn something new.
1: Well, it is a fun read, and um, I also think, as you say, it's a helpful read. I was thinking this would be a great book for a, a team to read together or a book club, and uh, so I uh, I hope people enjoy it and uh, learn about your focus on service. Uh, I think it would be um, you know, a, a great thing for the world if more people focused on service. So thank you very much. I wish you well for the book and I wish you well for your careers at Zappos and I thank you for being here.
2: Thank you so much, Beverly. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been a blast.
1: Today we've been talking with three Saponians about The Power of Wow, the latest book about Zappos, a fascinating and successful customer service company. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's career tip is that your career can take you to amazing places if you keep growing and learning. If you keep stretching yourself and you keep connecting with other people who love to grow, life can bring you wonderful adventures. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've enjoyed our show.